If you lost everything that you had, would you still be able to be thankful? Rockville Radio 7.77 is on the web. Each podcast we bring you interviews and music with a goal of lifting up the name above all names, Jesus, the rock of our salvation. Straight from the Rockville Radio 7.77 studio here in Southern California. Being thankful, you know, it comes easy it comes easy when you have uh, you haven't suffered any losses, and um, you know maybe um, you have a lot of property or at least a home and um, a vehicle and some other things in your life. But can you still be thankful if you don't have anything? I want you to think about that. The other day, I was having a lot of trouble being thankful. And uh, in fact, I was telling God, I was driving through uh, the downtown area up here, one of the local communities, and I really was near tears, just had a, had a really bad morning and was telling God that I couldn't be thankful. And I made a left-hand turn, went into the parking lot of a 7-Eleven convenience store. To my left, when I got out the car, got out of the car, there was a homeless gentleman there and he had a uh, shopping cart. I, I think that's pretty much... Um, a lot of us, a lot of us have seen people in that situation, and uh, you know what comes to mind right off the bat is, I they're going to ask you for money, so um, I was kind of reluctant to look his way, and uh, he looked at me, and then um, I asked him. I said, "So, how are you today? How's it going?" And he said. Um, I think he said something like, well, I'm just hanging in there, something like that. And I really didn't want to get involved, so I went into the 7-Eleven, took care of the business I was there to do, um, and uh, had to pay. Um, 7-Eleven, you can, pay, you can pay some of your bills there. And uh, so on the way out, the uh, homeless guy uh, calls me over to him. And he says, hey, I want to talk to you. And I thought, okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. He's, uh, you know, how much money is he going to ask for? He says, um, you know, when you were asking me how I was, I didn't really felt, feel I gave you the right answer. And I just wanted to tell you right now that I'm praising God. I'm praising God. And I thought, and I looked at him, and I thought, that doesn't sound like I, I need some money or do you have any money? I, I've never heard that before from a homeless person, ever. Never have heard that ever. And um, that it was a shock because I was looking at him and I was looking at the shopping cart and he proceeded to tell me how thankful he was and that, that the Lord had laid it on his heart to stop me and tell me 
that he was, um, that this gentleman wanted me to know that God was good to him and that he praised him. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is an answer to my prayer. Here I am praying and telling God that I'm having trouble being thankful. And within just a minute or two, I meet this guy, this homeless man on the street who has nothing but a shopping cart with some of his belong with all of his belongings in there. And it's a cold day. He doesn't have anywhere to be sheltered, any shelter. He's outside. It was a shock. It was a shock. And I really felt bad about the way I was feeling. Um, I was doing a lot of double takes. Looking at him, thinking about the car that I own, the house that I have, and the career that I used to have as a teacher, which provided me with a retirement. Um, but that isn't all. You know, he, uh, it just really, really touched me in a very sincere way. And I asked him, I said, so can I give you some money? And he, he said to me, and this really shocked me, he said, no, don't need any money. I have all that I need, and I'm satisfied. Wow, wow. A homeless man on the street, shopping cart with his belongings, a cold day, not asking for money, praising God, and satisfied with where he is and what he has. Made me feel about uh, two inches tall. And I had just studied the opening chapter of the book of Job, and uh, that's what I want to share with you right now because this gentleman I was looking at was sort of a real-life Job right out of the book of Job in the Bible. Lord, I want to ask you now to just forgive me for my sins. I pray, Lord, for this podcast that you would uh, use this encounter I had with this guy on the street, this homeless man, and this story of Job together to uh, help me and help someone who's listening to understand that you can be thankful at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you go to the book of Job, you'll find a similar story. I don't know what the gentleman on the street has been through. In, I don't know what he's been through that put him there, how he got there on the street, what the circumstances were, but I know about Job, what happened to him. And if you look at the book of Job in the Old Testament of the Bible, it's right before the book of Psalms. The Psalms, there are 150 Psalms in the book of the Bible, in the, in the book of the Bible, in, in the Bible. And, uh, but right before the very first psalm, you'll find the book of Job, which is right there. As I mentioned, it's um, right after. It's actually right after Esther, and right before Psalms. So Job chapter one. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If not, just listen as uh, as I read this to you. It says, Job chapter 1, and this is verse 13. Job's sons and daughters were having a feast in the home of his oldest son when someone rushed up to Job and said, 
While your servants were plowing with your oxen and your donkeys were nearby eating grass, a gang of Sabians attacked and stole the oxen and donkeys. Your your other servants were killed, and I was the only one who escaped to tell you. That servant was still speaking. This is verse 16. When a second one came running up and uh, saying, God sent down a fire that killed your sheep and your servants, I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 17. Before that servant finished speaking, a third one raised up and said, Three gangs of Chaldeans attacked and stole your camels. All of your other servants were killed, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. That servant was still speaking when a fourth one dashed up. At this point, if I would have been Job, I would have said, Stop. Enough servants. Don't. No more of the servants. That's it. All the servants, you guys are dismissed. You don't have to do any work today. But the fourth one comes up and says, Your children were having a feast and drinking wine at the home of your oldest son when suddenly a windstorm from the desert blew the house down, crushing all of your children. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Disaster after disaster after disaster. When Job heard this, he tore his clothes and shaved his head because of his great sorrow. He knelt on the ground. And what do you think he did next? Now consider, consider all the news that he was told. He was told that all of his possessions, his prized possessions, I'm sure they were, he he lost his oxen, he lost the donkeys, he had servants killed, he had sheep that were destroyed, he had camels that were stolen, and... Big biggest blow was his house came crashing down. Oh, the, the house of his oldest son came crashing down and killed all of his children. So when he knelt on the ground, mm, what do you think he did? Here's what he did. This is what the Bible says. He knelt on the ground, then worshiped God and said, we bring nothing at birth. We take nothing with us at death. The Lord alone gives and takes. Praise the name of the Lord. In spite of everything, Job did not sin or accuse God of doing wrong. That's the way that, that is the final verse of this first chapter. But notice that in verse 21, it's identical, just about identical to what the homeless man on the street told me when I saw him, when I met him at the 7-Eleven. Praise the name of the Lord. Same, same thing that the modern-day Job that I met said. And it says again, in verse 22, In spite of everything, Job did not sin or accuse God of wrongdoing. And that's not what I got out of the mouth of that homeless man. He didn't blame his circumstances. He didn't say he was a victim. He didn't say anything. Uh, He did tell me it was tough on the street. He did tell me that people would steal from him. And he even told me that he had uh, fallen off of a, he had tried to climb up the side of a building to uh, plug in and recharge his cell phone, which, okay, 
He did have a cell phone, but still, that's probably the most most valuable item that he had on him. But while he was up there about seven or eight feet high, he fell straight on his back on the cement on the sidewalk without breaking his back and went to the hospital. And he still did not complain. He still said, I'm praising the Lord. Same as Job. Maybe, And again, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what his losses may have been. It may have been just as bad as Job. It may have been even worse. May it may not have even been close. I don't know. But I know this. I know what I saw. I saw a guy on a street on the street who had nothing but praise for God. In the same way Job does in this chapter. And Job, you know, that there is a part here that we do have to talk about. How did he get there? Well, if you go back a little bit farther to the beginning of the chapter. Satan was the one who went to God and asked for permission to um, to attack Job, to put Job through a, through a trial because he wanted to prove to God that Job uh, was only in it for what God was giving him. And uh, the Lord gave the devil permission, and he went and attacked Job, and that's why all of these things happened to him. They weren't just coincidences. It wasn't just Job having what people like to call bad luck. There is no such thing as luck, but there is such a thing as spiritual attack. And so I think one of the things, one of the first things that I want to bring up here is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I believe that's in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 11, that, that is that we are to be on guard and stay awake. Peter says, Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. But you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. You know that all over the world, the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. But God knows, but God shows undeserved kindness to everyone. That's why he appointed Christ Jesus to choose you to share in his eternal glory. You will suffer for a while, but God will make you complete, steady, strong, and firm. God will be in control forever. And this is, again, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. So that's the thing that we see here. Um, There is spiritual attack, and that's what happened to Job. But Job didn't know that. He did not know that. We know that because we're, we can read that. But Job could not read that because it wasn't written yet. And especially First Peter wasn't even written until uh, the beginning of the, um, the, the Christian church. Another thing that we should do, learning from, learning from the situation with Job... And learning from that gentleman on the street, we need to learn to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It is, it's tough. It is tough to be thankful when everything has been taken from you. It's tough to be thankful when you're on the street in the cold and all you have is a shopping cart full of your belongings. 
And that's why it's a sacrifice. And that's what Job did here. He offered up a sacrifice of praise. And so that can be found in the book of Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, verse 15. Always be joyful and never stop praying. Whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, that's actually, that is in... uh, that, that I quoted the Thessalonians. Let me, let me give you the right verse here. Hebrews is actually um, our sacrifice is to keep offering praise to God in the name of Jesus. That's, that's Hebrews 13, 15. And that's called the sacrifice of praise. We continually offer up thanks to God, no matter what's happening. And Thessalonians says, that's what we just read here, um, always be joyful, never stop praying. Whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. This is what God wants you to do. So it's God's will for us to be thankful. Keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. And I think the other thing that we can learn also from this example, from Job, is to look at how he trusted God. At the end of the first chapter in the book of Job, it says, Job did not sin or accuse God of doing wrong. He did not accuse God. He did not sin. He did not accuse God of of doing the wrong thing in his life. He trusted God. And, um, And that is, again, tough to do. But Job did that. And it is possible, like I said, it's not impossible because I met a man who was doing that. Billy Graham. I didn't meet Billy Graham, but I want to I want to go to Billy. I wish I had met Billy Graham. I did see I did see Billy Graham speak at one of his last crusades, which was 2004 in the Rose Bowl, Pasadena. And um But my goodness, you have to appreciate Billy Graham's wisdom and what God gave him. Billy Graham wrote this in his, Billy Graham has a devotional called Wisdom for Each Day. And on one of of the days, he wrote down here, give thanks. Billy Graham said, he quoted Psalm 100, verse 4, enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Billy Graham said this, Throughout the Bible, we are commanded to be thankful. A spirit of thanksgiving is one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian whose heart is attuned to the Lord. First, we are to be thankful for the material blessings God gives us. Some people are never satisfied with what they have. But what a difference it makes when we realize that everything we have has been given to us by God. And the man on the street He had a shopping cart, and that was it. Second, thank God for the people in your life. It is so easy to take them for granted or to complain or become angry because they don't meet our every wish. But we need to give thanks for our spouse, our children, our relatives, and our friends. Most of all, thank God for Christ and his love for you. Third, thank God in the midst of trials and and ever persecution. We draw back from difficulties 
but not one of us is exempt from trouble. Yet in the midst of trials, we can thank God because we know He has promised to be with us and help us. And so Billy Graham offered that advice in his uh, well-written devotional, which is called Wisdom for Each Day. I I highly recommend that you get that one. Helen Dennis. Helen Dennis is a, uh, a writer. She writes a column in the San Bernardino Sun. San Bernardino Sun is a newspaper in San Bernardino County, California, Southern California. And Helen is the one who is in charge of writing a column every Sunday called Successful Aging. And she talked about gratitude in her, in a recent column that she put out there. She talked about uh, the benefits from expressing gratitude. And she said they were supported by research. Now, that's no secret. Uh, Deborah Norville from uh, television, Deborah Norville, who's been on TV on a number of shows, wrote a book called Thank You Power. And, uh, If you ever have a chance to find that book, that's a great book because that talks about uh, some of the same things here, that giving thanks can increase happiness, improve friendships, make us more optimistic, reduce depressive symptoms and anxiety, reduce blood pressure, and improve sleep and overall health. And so Helen Dennis was saying that. Helen Dennis also gave a few tips. She said um, to thank some thank some of your friends personally. Thank the people that have been an influence in your life. And she said this also. She said, count your blessings. Uh, she talks about making a list of your blessings. You, you uh, also might select a number of daily blessings to write about which could be three, four, or more, five or more. And um, I think that's wonderful because I know that uh, I have tried myself to, uh, somebody, I had read someone's advice one time where they said, every day when you get up, try to thank the Lord for five things that happened the previous day. And uh, I've been trying to make that a habit. And then she said this, closing her, toward the end of her column, her recent column on gratitude, she said, now more than ever, we need to focus on what we are grateful for, what is working right in an effort to keep perspective and hope. Mm. It's good advice from Helen Dennis, the writer, newspaper writer. Let's turn to Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie, who has got some great advice right here. Greg Laurie is the pastor of Harvest Ministries in Riverside, California, and he's an international speaker. He does, when uh, things were a little bit different, uh, he was doing the Crusades, the uh, what they call the Harvest Crusades, in the local baseball, Angels Baseball Stadium in Anaheim, Anaheim for 
people from uh, who are not from California. Anaheim's where Disneyland. The original Disneyland is located in Anaheim. And uh, in Anaheim, they have a huge baseball stadium there where Greg Laurie usually puts on the Harvest Crusades. And that's every summer. But he is online, and he has a wonderful ministry that you can look up if you just like Google Google Harvest Ministries, uh, Greg Laurie, and you'll find his TV show. You'll find uh, some of his teachings and just an excellent pastor. And here's what he has to say. Um, he talks here. He talks here about Job. He says this. He says, um, "We need to remember there's always hope. A good acronym for hope, H-O-P-E, is holding on with patient expectation." Oh, I like that. <laughs> Greg Laurie always comes up with some good stuff. So again, I want you to consider what he's saying here. H-O-P-E stands for holding on with patient expectation. Uh, Pastor Greg goes on to say this, I think of Job who effectively lost everything and everyone he held dear. Talk about a guy who had a bad day. Apart from Jesus going to the cross, I don't know if there's anyone who's ever had a worse day on earth than Job. He lost those who worked for him, and worst of all, he lost his own children. Yet the Bible tells us that despite this horrific chain of events, Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell to the, he fell to the ground and worshipped. And worshipped. And that's, again, that's from the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 20. Job still had hope. Later he said, For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. And that's from the book of Job, uh, chapter 14, verse 7. Love, love, Greg Laurie's insights are excellent. Greg Laurie finishes by saying this, Sometimes, like Job, we are cut down in life. Is that you right now? Is that me right now? Yeah, it, de- it is. It definitely is. I can definitely tell you, yes, that is true. We think this is the end, not necessarily. God can intervene. He can, as scriptures say, bring beauty out of ashes. He can bring new life. And if you have not experienced new life, and you're not sure what that means, yeah, Greg's right. There is the new life that can come when a tree's cut down. That's true. And there is the new life that can come when a person is cut down. But that new life that I believe that Greg Laurie's talking about is Jesus. And the only way you can have a, a new life, a brand new life, is to give your life to him. And if you've never done that, I I invite you to pray now. Lord Jesus, I want to experience that new life. I want to have what is being talked about in that um, devotional by Greg Laurie. I want to be a more thankful person. I I want to even be able to thank you like Job thanked you when everything was taken. I want to be able to thank you like the gentleman the homeless man on the street. 
thanked you when all he had was a shopping cart filled with cardboard and miscellaneous items, and that's all he had. And I just want to give my life to you right now. I want to say, forgive me for my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Bring, bring to me new life. In Jesus' name, amen.